All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Rethink Movement podcast. Thanks again for all your, your questions. Um, today I have Mitch with me again. Good, mate. How are you? How are you, mate? Good. Good. So, getting through this, these, this period, I guess, all right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't know if that was a question or a statement. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Good as can be. How about yourself? Yep. Yeah. yeah, likewise. Just, yeah. Plodding along, I guess. I guess the, the worst of it's over in terms of the unknown. Now we sort of know what, what to expect in terms of restrictions and all that sort of stuff. We can sort of plan around that accordingly in terms of work and I guess planning your day. So mm. that's been good. Like I said a few weeks ago, that, that initial week or two was pretty chaotic, but now it's sort of easy to accept and, and keep going forward with yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. What we're, what we're going through now, which has been good. Um, so you put out a poll mm-hmm. during the week, questions that people had for us, and one of them was... Uh, yeah, so we had two like? two real cool ones that we're going to tackle. Yeah. Um so the one we'll yep. do today is do, do programs need to be individualized? And the other um, was a really cool question talking about kind of periodization and programming around John Kiley's uh, 2018 paper, um, which is really cool. But I thought it'd be best yep. if, if we kind of read that paper again before talking about it. It's been, been a good six or so months since I've had a look at it. Um, I did listen to the roundtable recently that he was on discussing the paper, but rather than just regurgitate that, it'd be good to for us to both read it. So we'll do that next week. Um, yeah, so yeah, today we'll chat about individualization. Do programs need to be individualized? Is it just a yes or no answer? Are there a lot of caveats? And, and we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. All right. Where do you want to start? Do programs need to be individualized? <laughs> yes and no like you said it's, it's uh yeah it's a trick not i want to say it's a tricky one but it, it has so many so many different i guess ways of doing these um so in terms of all right so from my perspective in terms of a clinical uh, setting um they Still going to have some sort of foundation, mm. which is very general. Okay. And then dependent on what they're in for, in terms of their injury status or, or if it's a specific injury they're coming to rehab, um, then there are things that are going to, we're going to still work on individually to that, mm. that injury. Um, but yeah, usually... If it's for some sort of knee injury, I'll still focus on their whole body. So we'll still do some upper body exercises, uh, whole body. Obviously, things more specific to the, to the knee um, if it's a specific injury. Um, so in a general, in a clinical setting, I think they do need to be individualized um, with still some sort of general foundation aspects. Um yeah, so that's from a clinical perspective. In terms of 
I guess we'll go into what I do and how I do it, why I do it later on. Um, in terms of, so for you in mm. S&C, with your athletic population, what would you do? Do you individualise mm. your program? Um, it's really, yeah, it's a good question. It's a tricky question. Um, I think, to be honest, I think um, what I might do, you know, if it's okay with you, I think it might be cool to actually start broader and then kind of go into more specific caveats. Uh, so if we just start with like gen yeah. pop and then we'll move to uh, maybe chronic pain okay. and then we'll move to maybe more yeah. kind of a clinical population and then we'll move to S&C maybe. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. I just... As you were talking, because I was agreeing with everything you said, then I kind of thought this question, which I thought it'd be cool to ask you, if we were to have someone rock into the gym today, never trained before, how many or how long do you think we could give them a program with zero individualization um, and, and have them making gains? So obviously, like, let's obviously six months, the, you know, the newbie gains is going to happen no matter what you do. Um, but like, let's yeah. say we built in some form of regulation. So it might not be... Um, you know, a full RPE, but it could be something just like a reps in reserve based program. Obviously, we yep. teach them how to do that after the first six or so months of training. They're pretty familiar with all exercises and we say, hey, you know, you're just going to keep keep rinse and repeat this this program um, or, or, you know, this, this simple progression. It starts at week four. You've got about four reps in reserve. Week three, uh, sorry, week one instead of week four. Uh, and then all the way through to week four where you're pretty much going to failure rinse and repeat start again um you know movements change every two blocks um obviously no specific loading because it's all reps and reserve base how long do you reckon we could give someone a program like a progression like that with zero individualization um you know and have them still making gains just a gen pop yeah yeah like you said i reckon they're good that good three to six months you'd probably see them make a lot of inroads and then they'd probably start to plateau. Um, so this is um, a question at a period that, that, that I've had before though, that, that kind of plateau, how much of that is just normal and how much of it is us kind of, you know, our, our bias towards yeah, I guess so. programming. getting programming trickier? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I guess it goes back to the base, like the basic principles. If there's still some sort of progressive overload, they still should be making some sort of inroads mm. in terms of some sort of strength gain or hypertrophy gain, depending on what your what the program is. Like I said, it's very general. Um, it is an interesting one. Um, yeah, it's one that devil's advocate yeah. can be played for quite easily. You know. We, we've all Definitely. got the same physiology. We've all got the same, you know, musculoskeletal system. Like, if we just individualize purely based on, you know, to kind of borrow a concept from, from Israel and the guys at RP, like, if we just purely individualize based on, um, you know, the amount of volume you can tolerate. So, for example, if you do uh, three days a week squatting, you're like, wow, that's way too much. Like, okay, do two, but do an extra set on both. You're like, oh, that's handleable. You know, is that the most individualization we need? Yeah. Um, you know, and even then, you could build a function into Excel yeah. that that does that uh, by itself. Um, yeah, exactly. yeah, it's 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 very easy to play devil's advocate. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. It's a like you said, it's it's an interesting one. And yeah, is it does it is that still individualized? Is it still very general? I guess if we're manip whatever program we do is still gonna have some sort of individual individualization mm. realistically. Whether it's because whether it's yeah, the reps in reserve, something's still gonna change mm-hmm. for that individual. No one's gonna hit the same reps, no one's gonna hit the same loads. So just by changing loads, changing reps in reserve, technically it's still individualized to that person on how they respond. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess it comes back down to like individualization. It's like a, a one of those another <laughs> fancy words thrown out there. Yeah, to some extent. you know the way I individualize something looks nothing like what a lot of people think it is. Um, no, that's right. It's not. It's not all about yeah doing sort of like uh, I don't know what's a good example uh, metal slams or uh, I can't even think of it. <laughs> like like we're going to like individualization for sports specific. Well, yeah. This and this is something you know. This is a nice segue. That's how um, you know. Yeah. One of the things I, I teach is is there's no such thing as a sports-specific movement. The only sports-specific movement is in the sport. Um, you know, the moment S&Cs start trying to recreate a sporting movement in the gym is A, when people get hurt, and B, when, when you just see dumb shit. Um, you know, the, the role of the S&C yeah. is to increase the physiological parameters of the athlete. That's it. Um, you know, so... That's right. They're not building the skill. They're not building... Um, yeah, like I said, yeah, we're not focusing on the skill side of things, focusing on the physical preparation. Exactly that. right. The skills is the, the skills coach job. You know, so if you get an athlete, you know, you shouldn't be looking at, oh, this is a basketball player. You should be looking at, okay, this guy isn't quick enough. We need to work on his quickness, you know, or he's not strong enough. We need to work on his strength. Yep. He's not explosive enough. We need to work on his explosiveness. Now, obviously, there's a rudimentary understanding of the demands of the sport that is required, um, you know, but... You know, for example, like I, I say openly a lot, it, it, training two athletes, pretty much whatever sport they're in, 70 to 80% of the program is pretty much going to look the same. You know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. You're there? Hello? I'm there. All right. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you yep. hear me? Yeah, so you say 70 to 80% programming is yeah well 70 80 percent is going to look the same um you know sometimes even more depending yeah, on right. uh you know the, the time during the season you know you, you're trying to develop these these overall qualities it's the the minutiae the the 10 to 30 percent that's going to be different you know for a rugby league player that's going to be some neck work to you know um strengthen the neck for concussion risk you know you're not going to do a ton of neck work for a swimmer they just don't need it um you know so when you when you kind of look at it it's the moving target is the accessory work. You know, the, the bulk is, is building, exactly right. um, you know, foundations uh, are the same. Exactly right. Now, obviously the, the, the difference is you're not going to have a, a swimmer squatting 240 kilos, but you might have a, a rugby player doing that. Um, but is that to say a swimmer's not going to squat? No, my, my swimmers probably squat more than some of our listeners. Um, you know, and they're 16. Um, you know, so 
it's not to say swimmers don't squat and don't squat heavy. They can and they do. But relative is kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, if I was to start designing these wacky-ass movements for the, the swimmers that I work with, you know, uh, all of a sudden I'm going to shit the bed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when you start seeing that the, uh, the S&C starts loading up specific movements that a, that an athlete will do. So basically they start loading the skill. Exactly. Like, are they really going to be better and stronger at that skill no. by loading it? And just, just the... Like they might be half a percent, but chances are they're just going to injure themselves before they actually see any benefits. For sure. And, and just a real quick sidebar on that too, by loading a skill-based movement, you're by definition changing the movement as a function of force and velocity. So for example, um, you know, the dominator tackling machine is probably the easiest example to talk to, where basically you have to, yep. you know, grapple this machine, metal machine in the gym to the floor loaded up with a stack of weight. And it's thought to increase tackling ability. Uh, but tackling during a game, for anyone who's either watched or played rugby league, knows that it's two velocities meeting each other. It's a high-velocity impact. You know, walking up to a machine in yep. the gym and ripping it is, you know, basically a, a non-moving object and you creating velocity. So you're breaking inertia. You don't break inertia uh, during two velocities meeting each other. So you, you're changing it. Completely. That's interesting. <laughs> um, yes. That's an interesting one. Like it's collecting dust in there. Yeah, let's not go there. Um. <laughs> in some places, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it. I'd like to think yeah. so. I'd like to think so. Anyway. For sure. Um, yeah, so I guess that's sort of the... I guess we went into the athlete type of the athletic population. Um, I guess now we can sort of touch on the... We'll, we'll touch on the chronic pain side of things so that'll go into more of a clinical type role. Um, type do you want to go like clinical first and then we'll kind of come to chronic pain? Because I think yeah, chronic sure. pain we'll have a bit more of a discussion yeah, so on because clinical in terms of, yeah. you know, your, your typical AEP client, like someone... you. You know, whatever you you imagine your typical AEP client, you know, probably some chronic pain, probably some yeah. comorbidities, maybe diabetic, maybe, you know, high BP, like whatever you would say your typical client is. So I guess, yeah, so like, yeah, yeah usually it's yeah, a range of things they've got. So you're always going to have, like, it's not just, so basically, it's, I guess it's similar to, to what you're saying with an athlete is, we're still doing some sort of foundational work in terms of we're still doing a bunch of exercises that an athlete would be doing. Obviously, it's just regressed to, to the capability of the client. Um, so, and then from that, I build their program. So we still got to do those, um, build those foundations. And then from there, if they've got a certain injury, then the accessory work is usually based around that injury. So they're still getting a full, full body, I guess, program. We're not just solely focused for an hour on doing knee, uh, terminal knee extensions and in cardio for 15 minutes. Like, usually it's it's a full, full body and then the accessories 
like you're saying with an athlete is more specific to what that injury is. So because then once I get over that injury, they've already built their foundations to hopefully prevent that injury occurring again, but then to also hopefully get into some sort of, either set them up so they can go into a mainstream gym where if we're just doing, if they've had a, say a meniscus injury or they've got osteoarthritis and we're just doing terminal knee extensions for, for 10 sessions and then go, oh, you're all good. You're better now. Your pain's reduced. Mm. Let's go. Chances are within six months, they're going to be back in your clinic the same issue because they haven't addressed anything. They've put on weight. They've put on more weight. Now they've got a heart condition where if I can set them up, reduce that, say it's a knee issue, reduce that knee issue, treat that knee issue, but then also set them up that they've got the confidence and the foundations to go and continue training in the gym or continue training with me, then it's win-win for both of us. So, and you're not going to see them come back and have to start from square one again because their knees are playing up again. You're not going to have to try get them losing weight because, yeah, their knees playing up again. So, I guess it's like, it's crossed my mind a few times. I'm like, basically train them like an athlete. You're still, obviously the, the loads aren't going to be as high as an athlete and you're not going to be focusing on, I'm trying to get them to do like a two and a half body weight squat or, or deadlift or something like that. But, the movements are still the same. Okay, yeah, we don't need them to be as explosive or we don't need them to be as strong, but I guess strength and explosiveness is going to be relative to what they do daily anyway. So if they're a little bit stronger and a little bit more explosive than, than uh, the granny down the road, then they're, I guess they're, they're going on the right track to prevent any of these sorts of um, issues that reoccurring. So... Mm. I guess, yeah, the way I've, yeah, I've sort of approached it more recently is they're basically like an athlete, mm. but not as, not, to, not obviously they're, they're at a beginner stage, they're still learning movements, but if we can get past that learning stage, get some of the newbie games, as we like to call them, then we're really setting up to be really successful and a lot more healthy and a lot more... Uh, Mm. stronger, faster, fitter, and all those sorts of things relative to what they're doing daily. So I think that's the biggest That's the biggest thing. We've got to remember where we're, we're EP, AEPs where we want to get get people living their yeah. best life. So there's no use, yeah, treating that, that knee pain, that knee issue, and then they're back six months ago, six months later, and they're physically they're in a worse state than they were and like i've seen that in the past where some people just go no i don't want to do all these exercises i just want to do this exercise to fix my they're like all right you try to tell them you've educated them and they they think they know better so you go and then you see them six months later and they're like oh it's played up again my doctor told me i should come back here because <laughs> it worked last time like it did work last time but we haven't prevented it from happening again yeah so it's not just about the treatment but it's also preventing further injuries and further problems so um, like I said, it's I've sort of taken a leaf out of your book and like, okay, yeah, they're like an athlete, obviously at a very basic level. And then we'll focus, focus on some fa- like foundational movements mm. and then, and then the accessories of the, the program is more so target around those issues. Uh, yeah. So that, that, that's a, that from a clinical perspective. Um, yeah, it's awesome. That. 
Yeah, so that's how I like to approach it. Yeah, that's unreal, man. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, like it's, and then you've got you've got your toolbox, you've got all your different tools that you need to, that you can use to, to yeah, improve the change program, modify the program, uh, progress, regress. So, yeah, mm. it's, a, it's, it's an interesting one. For sure. Um, I think... Um... So, and then I guess... Yeah, going into the chronic pain side of mm-hmm. things, uh, I guess it's very similar. Obviously, with a whole lot more education um, around what's happening, and I guess it's more about educating and making these people realise that they are capable of doing these things without increasing their their pain. Obviously, yeah, the, the education side of things is a lot more important. Um, so, um, like, obviously, like that's what we sort of did in the, in the studies where we didn't focus on doing a whole bunch of exercises for, like, one particular muscle. Mm. So, if that makes sense. So, obviously, we did, yeah, it was a full body sort of programming type thing. But I guess the foundations are still very similar, but the whole, I guess, the accessories of this program were the, was the education. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's like, like focusing on the study, but even in terms of the clinical side of things, um, yeah, same sort of thing. Try to do a bunch of exercises and program it accordingly to what they're capable of. Um, a lot of them freak out as soon as you try to get, make them do any sort of loading. They're like, oh, I can't do this. So, it's just, yeah, slowly, for some of them, it can be very slow where we're trying to set them up doing certain movements and then get into the, um, and then start loading that later on um, once we've built up their confidence in their body. Mm. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. How about yourself? Uh, I guess more from the chronic pain side of things. Um, yeah, I think. I'll, I'll probably, I just want to add, not add, but just, just one thing to, I guess, kind of the clinical um, side of things, just from people that I have consulted with that fall into that clinical category um, as well. And some of the stuff I, I teach around that too is the only other consideration that, that I apply, and, and you and I have chatted about this before, and you, you kind of mentioned it uh, in a way too. Um, with, with that great example of kind of terminal knee extensions and, and then see you later. Um, you know, if, if you look at someone, uh, you know, primary risk factors, you know, if someone comes to you because they've got knee pain, um, but they're type 2 diabetic, morbidly obese, they've got family history, heart disease, and all these other, you know, uh, risk factors, you know, okay, you can get their knee pain free, you know, well, good luck. Yeah. But if you do, like, they're just going to die with a good knee. Yeah. Um, you know, like, you, you, your knee can be fine, you know. Your knees, you've got all the time for your knee to not hurt while you're dead. Um, you know, just try and keep them alive. Like, exercise can do that. We know that. Um, you know, sometimes we need to step up and, and be that exercise professional who goes, look, I know your knee's sore, I know your back's sore, I know whatever's sore, but actually, 
you know, the scariest thing here is, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, we've, we've done a whole podcast on how we can communicate these messages without fear-mongering, essentially. Um, you know, and kind of nudge the person and say, look, you know, things are probably going to feel better when you've lost 30 kilos anyway. Um, yeah, and there is some right. cool research to show that things do move in the right direction when you lose weight. Not a whole lot. Mechanistically, we don't entirely understand, but there is some. Um, Christy Brooks published some during her PhD at Western Sydney. Um, and she, you know, there's, it's, it's pretty, pretty um, you know, in my eyes as well, even if it's not true and even if the person doesn't feel better, if you've added five years to their life and their knee's still a bit sore, that's a win. You know, I don't care what anyone says. Um, but anyway, that's kind of my little little side piece. And the only other thing too, the, the athletic uh, example is phenomenal, especially when you're working with, with elderly or, or people with neurological conditions like Parkinson's, when you know the best thing to prevent you know, for falls prevention is increasing power. So using some of those athletic movements like throws and, um, you know, explosion in a free space, which we know are the most potent developers of power and explosiveness, you can really start not only borrowing some of these S&C concepts, but, man, people love it. Like, they love going to the gym and throwing shit and, you know, doing these athletic kind of movements. Obviously, it's a capacity, but rather than sitting down on a frigging pec deck. Yeah, it's so true. Um, but yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, chronic pain. I I definitely agree with, with everything that Adrian said and, and the, the kind of the parallels he drew to the, both the clinical and the S and C population. I think it was really cool. Um, I think chronic pain, um, especially kind of from the 2018 paper I published and from the study I've just done, uh, or we've just done, I should say, Adrian, obviously, uh, working into that study as well. It's quite difficult for me to to talk to this one convincingly at all because, you know, in 2018, the paper I published showed that a general program achieved the same as an individualized. Uh, And in the study we've just run where we've seen people uh, overwhelmingly not just get better but get stronger, um, everything was general. The only difference was there was two movements that we could change range of motion. Uh, all sets, all reps, absolutely, all movements, essentially. The only thing is it was like, oh, okay, you can't squat full depth, squat to a box. And, you know, if, if that's individualization, like, come on, like, I don't even know if that's individualized. Like, you know, to me, my, my, my same individualization I apply to, to gen pop um, and athletic pop, essentially, is the same to chronic pain. It's like, oh, you can't squat full yep. depth? Okay, well, can you do it to a box? All right, do that. That's it. Um, I, I think there's a whole lot of time of exercise professionals blowing smoke up our own ass about how good we are at individualizing shit when we have no idea if it even helps. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is true. It is true. In the you end, know, it's... yeah, sorry. Yeah, go on. No, 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 you're gone. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, you know, one of the biggest things is like, oh, you know, I, I don't give a shit about calling them out. If anyone listens to this from, from Essa, you know what? I don't care. Uh, Essa's done a lot of great for our industry. It's great. But today, uh, one of the Essa staff posted in a closed group looking for uh, an AEP to come forward who's had a client have a, a very negative experience with a general program from an online source. You know, like they're fishing for this shit. Um, like yeah. it's just ridiculous. What about the thousands of people that have had positive experience with exercises from downloading a program. Like, yeah, look, we can, we can all sit here and say, 
you know, people like Ashley Bynes and all those guys can do things better. But at the same time, they're getting more people moving right now than I am. Um, yep. You know, at the end of the day, movement is good. Um, you know, it's better than not doing shit. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, okay, it's not individualized. So half the time these programs are bodyweight bullshit that you're not going to hurt yourself with anyway. No. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. It's, it's true. Yeah, you're completely right. Uh, not to get on uh, too much of a tangent. But... <laughs> that was good. All right. I think we'll wrap it up there. I reckon we could do a whole podcast and just more programming type. Or like, I guess next week we'll sort of touch on some of this stuff anyway. Yeah, for sure. I, I think we, we, we could definitely expand on what we talked about here today because there's a oh, lot definitely. of... Uh, we could expand for each area. Oh, for sure. I think my biggest kind of takeaway for anyone listening would be like if you're you know, obviously our audience here is, is more practitioners and kind of student practitioners. Um, my biggest takeaway, I don't know if Adrian has, a, has another one he'd like to mention, but my biggest takeaway would be, you know, don't come under the false assumption that, you know, you're good at what you do because of your programming, because you're not. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, you could write the best program in the world um, and your client never does it. And at the end of the day, who says it's the best yeah. program in the world? You've got no friggin' idea. You're just kidding yep. yourself. Um, so. I think that's a good, uh, good way to end it. <laughs> yeah, I could have pissed a lot of people off with this. Yeah, kept going. But um, I think we'll wrap <laughs> it up there. Sounds good. Like I said, thanks for all the... Uh, the questions guys keep them up um hopefully we can get some more questions next week we'll talk about programming and periodization and uh yeah we'll see how we go with that all right sounds good good, good. all right all right mate stay Sorry, safe see you mate okay take care mate bye bye